Welcome to the online service at Church in the Valley. If you're watching this video on August 7th, we are meeting in the building for the first time today. And I'm on stage in the auditorium right now. I hope you can join us in the building live someday. We'd love for you to see what we've done with the place. Today, we're launching a series called Elections. The leaders who get in office have an impact on the specifics in our lives, on things like employment, income, inflation that devalues our income, and our freedoms. Politics are all over the news and social media feeds right now, and they have been throughout the pandemic, but it's only going to be more prevalent in the news and social media feeds as we approach our country's midterm elections. It will only continue to build over the next three months. Elections are a great reason to pause and consider our stewardship as Christ followers and the need to be faithful with the responsibility we've been entrusted with. Common wisdom says never mix politics with religion. That is a recipe for disaster. This is not the perspective of God in Scripture or the perspective of the found, founding fathers of our country who wrote the Constitution. In this message, we're going to discover God's perspective on Scripture, that's revealed in Scripture. God is working in and through governments to accomplish His purpose in history on a sweeping scale. He delegates powers to rulers in our country, political leaders, and then rules the universe through those who He puts in power. Politicians are, and rulers are here for a time and then they vanish off the scene. They serve a brief term and move off the scene. So God's people are commanded not to put our hope in them. Psalm 146, 3 through 5 says, Put not your trust in princes and a son of a man in whom there is no salvation. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth, and on that day his plans perish. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God. We don't trust powerful people to do what only God can do. God can be trusted and he alone is our only real hope. Earthly leaders are mere mortal men. If their ideas aren't grounded in the truth of God's word, they are mistaken. Leaders and influences also, their ideas tend to recycle through history. Nations need a strong foundation on which to build laws and government. 
We desperately need a law from outside ourselves to guide us, like a compass that points to true north and gives direction to our lives. If we don't use God's law that comes from outside of us, then we ourselves are the only compass we have. And frankly, I don't think we want that. This is what God has provided through his word. 2,700 years ago, God used a prophet, Isaiah, to speak to a confused and anxious group of Israelites. Their nation was in the middle of major turmoil and discipline from the Lord. And God delivers delivers a, a message of comfort packaged with perspective for his people. Isaiah 46 through 8, a voice says, cry. And I said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass and all its beauty is like the flower of a field. The grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. God's truth, as revealed in the Bible, remains forever. Many of my big ideas have withered when tested against the Scripture, the Bible, and life experience. For example, when I was young, I didn't see what economic economic policy had to do with Scripture. And boy, was I wrong. I learned over the course of my adult life that God has a lot to say about economic policy. The laws and policies we choose and the programs we install as a country impact the motivation level of workers and the mindset of large groups of people in our country. Isaiah is saying that God's word stands the test time and time again. For example, uh, the Lord showed the prophet Amos that scripture is a plumb line that we can measure all of life up against. My dad gave a friend of mine uh, an opportunity to earn some uh, extra money by putting a roof on the house I grew up in one summer. And we, we did the first couple of rows in shing- and, uh, of shingles and looked back and it was totally crooked. My dad explained, he came home, he saw the work, and I thought, oh boy, this is not going to be good. But he explained, th- thankfully we started in the back. <laughs> and so <clears throat> it, it wouldn't show. But he explained that we needed to snap a chalk line and showed us how. And until we snapped the chalk line, we couldn't get it straight. This is what God is saying to Amos. Without a plumb line, we get crooked. There's a vital connection 
between absolute truth and the strength of a government for the good of its people. The Constitution of the United States assumes this connection. I'd like to show you a brief, a brief video clip from Clay Christensen, who is a professor of business administration at Harvard Business School. He lays out the connection between religion and democracy. Let's, let's watch this clip together. Some time ago, I had a conversation with a Marxist economist from China. He was coming to the end of a Fulbright Fellowship here in Boston. And I asked him if he had learned anything that was surprising or unexpected. And without any hesitation, he said, yeah, I had no idea how critical religion is to the functioning of democracy. The reason why democracy works, he said, is not because the government was designed to oversee what everybody does, but rather democracy works because most people, most of the time, voluntarily choose to obey the law. And in your past, most Americans attended a church or a synagogue every week, and they were taught there by people who they respected. My friend went on to say that Americans followed these rules because they had come to believe that they weren't just accountable to society, they were accountable to God. My Chinese friend heightened a vague but nagging concern I've harbored inside that as religion loses its influence over the lives of Americans, what will happen to our democracy? Where are the institutions that are going to teach the next generation of Americans that they too need to voluntarily choose to obey the laws? Because if you take away religion, you can't hire enough police. Sadly, the role of religion and the Bible in our country has shifted away from confidence in them towards skepticism of them. Yet it's essential that we have a reliable source to draw from that is outside of ourselves. If we don't have a source of transcendent truth to draw from to govern our society, we make choices based on a pall of emotion and we do what seems right to us in that moment. We have a ball of tangled up experience that we launch from. This is what we're seeing today. Relative, uh, relativism is prevalent in our culture. Relativism is the doctrine that knowledge, truth, and morality exist in relation to culture, society, or historical context and are not absolute. Relativism has been working its way into our nation's mindset over the last several decades, maybe longer, and it's working its way through our mindset like yeast works its way through dough. Without a truth outside and above us, we make decisions that seem right in the moment. Absolute truth helps us to rise above the emotions of a topic, and it gives us something that anchors us, a compass 
that points to true north that we can follow. One of the dangers of relativism is that you never draw conclusions on a matter. There's a bias against deciding once and for all on issues. We must stay open-minded. Dogma is bad. However, when you stay open-minded, then Scripture says you can be simple or naive. And it literally, when it talks about this character, means open-minded. Your, your mind's open to all kinds of stuff, and it gets filled with that. But what we do is, when we stay open-minded, we have to decide things over and over and over again, and this generates a lack of stability and unity in a society when everyone is deciding right and wrong in their own mind. Dogma has its place, turns out. Imagine going to the doctor and receiving a di- diagnosis, a firm diagnosis of diabetes. Let's say you get the diagnosis and you respond to the doctor, hey, doc, you're entitled to your opinion, but I don't agree. And I really like donuts and candy. And so I'm just going to keep eating those. Denying the truth about the diagnosis and refusing to believe it doesn't change reality. It doesn't change what's true. In our country, we've been eliminating the idea of a God who's given us absolute truth. It's being eliminated through education, through the media, and through politics. The result is that most people don't include God in their thinking. We need to do whatever we can to bring God's truth into the open in our country in a wise and helpful way. As Christ followers scanning the political landscape, We look to the present and the future with confidence because we know the one who is directing history. And he's directing it to fulfill his good plans for us. He is working in and through governments to accomplish his plan. You discover in Scripture that God establishes all authority and works out his plan through it. Romans 13, 1-3 says, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. God rules the world through the authority he puts in place, from the rulers and leaders of nations to bosses at work and heads of families. If you lead a larger organization, either a church or a business, or a nonprofit, you lead it 
through leaders of smaller groups of people. And this is what God has chosen to do through in ruling the world. He, he's, he leads through leaders who take responsibility, who are given the responsibility, who are elected to office, or who have the power to rule. He rules the world through the leaders he puts in place, both good and bad. When Romans 13 was written, the Roman governor or emperor, the Roman emperor at the time, was not a benevolent ruler. In faith, we can handle the present and the future with an upbeat attitude because of the implication of this passage. Whoever gets elected, whoever's in power, is the one God has put in place. He will fulfill His purpose in history through the one that's in power. We can trust Him to do that. I have a friend of mine that says, we, we get the leader we deserve. And I think that's true in our country, the way we elect leaders. Uh, we, we get what we deserve. I think that's mostly true. The way God weaves His sovereign power to direct history with our own choices is a mystery. He's given us an active role to play. So we don't have an excuse to sit back in autopilot and let Him reign. I have a role to play as one who bears His name in the society in which I live. We live in a country and a system of government exists that gives each citizen an important role. In the Gettysburg Address, Abraham Lincoln concluded his speech with a well-known phrase, and he was trying to give perspective after a battle on the cause for which men have died. That this nation, he says, under God shall have a new birth of freedom and that government of the people, by the people, for the people, shall not perish from the earth. Here's an example of a politician who, who doesn't get this. He has it backwards. I am the senator, you are the citizen, you need to be quiet. He was working for his own agenda, and that's not the way our system is set up. In the United States, we have a republic which is governed by our Constitution. As Christians, we have the responsibility to vote and elect people to offices who write will write policy that is righteous and that represents the interests of the people. Here's a brief video that explains how this works. Today, most democracies are indirect or representative, which means that you can't vote for a new law yourself, but you can vote for people who then become lawmakers and present your interests. 
But democracy isn't just about voting. It's about everything to protect the best interests of the people, no matter what is their race, gender, political opinion, or religion. These interests can be human rights, quality of life, infrastructure, and many more. We vote for people who have policies that align with our values, and hopefully they stay true to the policies they campaigned on. That's not always the case, but hopefully it is when we vote. In our country, each citizen has the power to influence the government, and that's a privilege we have as citizens of the United States. The way God works, he always packages privilege with responsibility. Our power as American citizens gives a responsibility to do everything possible to influence our government for good. Our system of government has given us unprecedented freedom and blessing to us throughout the decades of the country's existence. This is from the hand of God. As Christ followers, we must realize that government is best when it matches up with God's unchanging truth. Romans 13, 4-7 For he is God's servant for your good, but if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. It's talking about government officials. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection to him, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For the same reason you also pay taxes, for the authorities are ministers of God, attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, Respect to whom respect is owed. Honor to whom honor is owed. At its best, government is God's servant for the good of the people. It sets the cultural framework through laws that will be good or bad for people under its authority and then draws the boundary for punishment when wrong is done. To be subject to government means to put ourselves under its authority and obey its laws and policies, which is partially what the cultural framework is made of. God has set limits on the authority of government, however, and we are commanded to be subject to government when it stays inside the boundaries God has given it. Here's a chart that I want to show you. Christ is Lord over all. He's over all the earth. The Father gave Jesus authority over heaven and earth uh, after he was raised from the dead. And... I want to show you what the family, church, and government are responsible for. The family is responsible for health, education, and welfare. The church is responsible for grace and reconciliation 
And the government, as we've seen, is responsible for justice. Here are the passages, some passages that you could read later on. 1 Timothy 5, 8 and 16, Ephesians 6, 1 through 4, on the church, uh, Romans 1, 7, 1 Corinthians 1, 3, 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 19, and then Romans 13, which we've been reading. Parents in a family are responsible for bringing up kids in the discipline and instruction in the Lord. This, this is what we find in Ephesians 6.4. Bring them up. That's the atmosphere in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. The church has been granted a ministry of reconciliation, and we steward the message of grace, which is the gospel. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 19, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Government has the responsibility to execute justice. We just read Romans 13 passages in Romans 13 that show the responsibility for, of government to do this, to do justly by its citizens. If these institutions stay within their limits, the family, the church, the government, if they stay within their limits, it works out. But if they cross boundaries into other areas that are not their stewardship, it's not good for people. For example, the church doesn't have uh, authority over families. I don't have authority over your family to command you to do anything, to make decisions or to tell parents in a specific situation, what you should do. But what I am responsible for is to teach the Word of God on how families operate best. I can give wise counsel, but I don't make decisions for your family. That That's called a cult, if I were to make decisions for your family. The church has recently experienced overreach by the government. They shut down churches in this state because the leaders believe that church gatherings are not essential. The Supreme Court ruled that government cannot control whether churches meet or not, which is in line with the Constitution. Freedom of religion and Freedom of assembly is crucial to the values that were woven into our Constitution. This is how our government is supposed to work. Let's, let's watch this video. Modern democracies divide power into three different branches. The legislative, the people who make the law. The executive, the people who make sure that you obey the law. And the judiciary, who judge you if you commit a crime. 
These three are independent and work following the process, checks and balances, which means all the work must be clear and fair. And very important, the people who have power also must follow the law and not exceed their authority. The founding fathers set up these checks and balances, and one of their aims was to keep the government out of the church. Parents have experienced govern, government overreach through HIPAA requirements. Parents are responsible for the health, education, and welfare of their kids. They are responsible to make decisions about health matters for their children. HIPAA has given some doctors, has made them feel like they have the freedom to get the kids out of the room so they could ask kids to decide for themselves on important health issues. Our political leaders are making laws and the courts are deciding on matters that create the vital framework of our country. And we need to know what's right from God's perspective on these things. We provided a handout uh, for you to start investigating if you haven't investigated already. Uh, what God thinks about the government and its stewardship. We, we need to understand and our stewardship as Christians to influence the government. We need to understand how decisions are made and how the laws being established impact the good of the people in our country so we can make our voice heard. If elected officials don't hold to God's truth, they will establish laws and policies that do harm, not good, for the people. Christ followers can't let our country slide and to and erode the the very foundation uh, erode and get cracks in it without doing our part to try to restore it. So commit to grasp God's truth about these matters, commit to draw conclusions and develop convictions, and then do your part to influence government for good through your vote and the many other means available that we'll talk about next week. Here are some next steps that I'm suggesting uh, that you take today. First of all, Pray for our leaders and the election coming up. And then study the Bible passages on the key issues. In the handout, or I'm, I'm sure you could find a way to uh, look at them in, in other ways as well. And I, you may have another application, another step that you want to take that God's laid on your heart to take today through this. But I, I want to encourage you to take whatever God has put on your heart to take that step. And I'm going to pray that God gives us strength to do that.
Father, we thank You for the power that You give for obedience. And I pray, Lord God, that You would be honored and pleased and glorified as we take those steps and as we steward our responsibility as citizens of this country. May You help us grow in our understanding of how we can influence the country for good through electing leaders and through making our voice heard in different ways. And I pray, God, that You would be honored by this and You'd be pleased and You'd give us the strength to take these steps. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.